Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation and certified mental performance consultant. The Freshman Foundation Podcast helps young athletes be ready for every next step in the game of life. To learn about how you can be ready for your next step in the game of life, visit michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening to the Freshman Foundation Podcast. What did lacrosse teach Dan Soviero about being a successful entrepreneur? I've been doing this podcast for over two years, and one of the themes that continues to shine through is that entrepreneurship mirrors sports. Athletes and entrepreneurs both take significant emotional risks to pursue outcomes that are not guaranteed. This requires both to develop resilience to continue on their respective missions. My guest in this episode, Dan Soviero, is a former college lacrosse player and owner of Signature Lacrosse, among other successful businesses. In episode 59, Dan shares how his athletic journey shaped his desire to be an entrepreneur, how he left college to start his first business, and how his mission to serve others is still as strong as ever today. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Dan Soviero. Hey, Dan, great to see you. How are you? Hey, great. Good to see you, Michael. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me on your podcast and uh, on my podcast <laughs> because I was on your podcast and I got myself confused. But um, I want to jump in and and ask you about you know your, your background as an athlete, your journey to entrepreneurship. And when I was looking at your LinkedIn page before we got started, it said your last stop for college was the University of Tampa, and it says dropped out to start my my first co- company in 2016. I think it was. So can you just tell me about how you got to that point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I. I grew up down in South Florida. I was always a three-sport athlete. I think um, I naturally really gravitated towards sports, and um, I didn't really do that well in school. The structure of school and, and just the way it was – really the way that school was structured just didn't didn't tie out with the way my brain thinks. So um, I really locked in my identity as an athlete at a pretty young age, and um, we can get into a, a little bit deeper about that, but – Um, that kind of segued into, um, I didn't do very well in school. Um, I was, I was tying my self-worth, uh, to my success on the field. And so once I hit certain pinnacles, like all American, um, and certain goals that I had set, I found myself really without a goal and, and slipping into a pretty, a pretty deep depression. And so, um, it was around that time that I, I found business and the first business I was a junior in high school um, I had just gotten uh, my uh, the all-american award um, which was a goal of mine that I had set in like eighth grade and I was thinking as soon as I hit this goal I'm gonna be the happiest guy in the world and I hit the goal and I just slipped into this depression that I had struggled with before but I had I didn't understand why am I now struggling with it again I just hit this great goal I'm an all-american I have all the things that anyone could ever want um, and so fortunately, um, through a series of situations, I ended up finding my way to, to the light side. Um, and in that process, I was introduced to business. 
So I was around a junior in high school. I started doing private lessons for kids. And it was really one of the things that um, helped me break out of my depression was, was focusing on other people and giving back to the community. And that was actually really ties back to the story of, of my dad was the one that really helped me kind of get past that. And um, his recommendation was go coach, go give something to somebody else without anything in return. And you're just going to find a new level of fulfillment and happiness that, that I don't think you've ever experienced before. I was a pretty selfish guy when I was younger. And I think this really helped, helped me see a different path. So um, I fell in love with it. I, I immediately started doing private lessons. There wasn't a lot of guys going division one in lacrosse in Florida at the time. It was pretty early in the lacrosse days for Florida. So um, I was fortunate enough to get a Division One scholarship, and so I started uh, D1 training. And we printed these little business cards. It had the St. John's logo, which was where I was going, and then um, it had the uh, Army logo, which was where a friend of mine was going. And we got up to like 30 kids. We were doing private lessons every week with them. Um, it was going really, really well, for, especially for high school kids. This is like a great business. Um <laughs> And we're being viewed as subject matter experts in the sport because there's just not that many in the area at the time. And we're pretty young guys. So that was my first exposure to management. And uh, what a nightmare. Um, I mean, we had friends of ours. Once we got up to 30 a week, we were starting to really do like the calendar management and the scheduling and then um, delegate the lessons to some of the younger guys on the team. And we give them a checklist. This is the practice plan. This is um, what you need to show up with. This is when you need to show up. Here's the field. And these guys would show up without balls. And it's like, that's the first thing on the checklist. So uh, that was our exposure to management. And um, at that point, I, I could see the writing on the wall. I was getting ready to go to St. John's in, in Queens, New York. You can't take this business with you. The kids aren't going to travel up there for private lessons. So um, around that time, I started really thinking about um, what's another business I could start um, that I could grow without a lot of people. And I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. I think I was 19. Um, I'm just getting to college. I, I fortunately got a lot of the um, partying and fun out of me in, the, in high school. So my freshman, sophomore year, I got in a little trouble, but it was really um, I was ready to take the next steps, I think. And I, I knew that business was my next step. And so um, my freshman year at St. John's, I actually had the idea for, for the first premium lacrosse ball. All lacrosse balls were the same. We wanted to make a better ball. And I think it was um, a lot of the lessons I learned through sports that gave me the confidence to say, I want to make a better ball and figure out how to do it. And I don't know how, but we'll learn along the way. And, uh, fast forward. Now we've got 22 people full time and, and we'll do, uh, we're nearing 10 million in sales for the year. So it's, um, it's grown to be something pretty, pretty substantial over the last, uh, seven years. And a lot of it's credit to, to my background in sports and the lessons I was able to learn from some of the coaches who poured into me along the way. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot in that response, right? And I definitely want to ask you about that business, the lacrosse balls and, and the other things that you're doing now. But I want to go back because I, I think we maybe talked about this the last time we spoke. You, know, you talked about how like, you know, you were sort of uh, uh, outcome driven or you were ego oriented and you were sort of setting these external goals for yourself and, and then you hit them and, and rather than sort of feeling great about it, 
you got depressed that sort of sapped your motivation. So like, can you just talk about like your identity as a lacrosse player at that time in your life? Like yeah, what was, what was lacrosse versus everything else? Yeah, I would say so. So when I think back to it, um, I, I picked up lacrosse in eighth grade. So I was pretty late to pick up the sport. Um, I was a really big football guy. And I think every kid in South Florida uh, plays football and thinks they're going in the NFL. So I was convinced I was going to go into the NFL. And uh, I just I had associated my um, my persona was I'm an athlete. I'm a dumb jock. That's who I am. I'm not good at school. I'm good at sports. And it was idolized. I think it still is to an extent. Um, and so I think once you just like grab onto that identity, you don't really realize that um, how much you're associating with that identity and the transition out of being an athlete and into being an entrepreneur or a husband or uh, a son or a friend or all the other identities that make you who you are, you really just don't realize it. And I, I don't think I was giving any ounce of effort to anything other than being an athlete. Yeah. So, so when you, when you started giving those lessons at your father's suggestion in high school, did that change the way you thought about lacrosse or did that start to shift your identity because you had this experience of helping other people or was that still like early on? It's a great question. I think um, there's, there's a little more color to like how bad the depression, it was pretty bad. And so I think um, he, he just knew that I, I, I was my, the reason that I was struggling so much was because I was taking such a selfish approach to Mm -hmm. life and he, I'm sure, had been through it before to some extent. Right. Otherwise, I don't know that he would have known that this advice would work. But <laughs> um, it was incredible. I mean, I, I finally opened up to him about it, and his response was the exact opposite of what I of what I thought it would be. He didn't like open his arms and warmly hug me and say, "I'm here for you." He was like, he turned around, and I I thought I was gonna get I thought I was gonna get a whack. Like he turned around, and he was like how selfish could you be? Um, look at all, or look around you at all these coaches, all these people who have poured into you. And now you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that you're depressed and you're unhappy and blah, blah, blah. Why don't you go do something for somebody else? And I was just, I get goosebumps even thinking about it because I don't know that that would have worked with everybody, but he was an incredible dad, super empathetic, really understood me and who I was. And he knew that that's what I needed to to take the next step and move down my path and, and kind of snap out of this self-inflicted uh, depression, really. So, um, yeah, kind of a roundabout answer. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think your dad was a pretty smart guy. You know, I, I think not only because it worked for you and that he was able to sort of identify what you needed in that moment, but I think there's a bigger there's a bigger application to that in, in some of the work that I do in terms of, you know, teaching people to practice gratitude, right? We, as athletes, we have this sort of, you know, we have this gift that we're given, right. To, to be something special and to, you know, to channel our abilities and, and, and to get recognition at a young age for a, a lot of athletes. And a lot of times it manifests itself in depression or anxiety or like, I'm not good enough or I need more versus like, Hey man, this is great. I'm lucky. Like I should be grateful for everything I have, 
which in turn creates that same effect of, hey, let me go be of service to somebody else because I'm not the center of the universe. Like I need to give back. It gives us a, a good feeling. It gives us a good feeling. Yeah. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, I think that's that's really where for me, where fulfillment really became a thing. I, I don't think I ever had ever felt really fulfilled until mm-hmm. I started serving others and, and seeing that impact. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurship really, you know, I think people, when they, I think when they hear entrepreneurship, and I think you could probably speak to this better than I can, because your journey is a lot more robust than mine. But I think when people think of entrepreneurship, they think of sort of stereotypically, you know, technology, big technology companies and millionaire 20 year old kids or billionaires even in some cases, but entrepreneurship is really about coming up with an idea to serve people that ultimately becomes profitable and leads to a bigger business to serve more people. Right. Like not, it's not just about the money itself. It's about the mission. Yeah. I would, I would say it's, it's, it's more so about uh, the mission than the money for, I would, I'd argue every entrepreneur because um, regardless of, your success with it or the time spent in it and every entrepreneur can, can relate. You're going to put a disproportionate amount of effort out in, in exchange for what you're going to get back. Um, and people don't, people see like, I don't know, Bill Gates or, or Steve jobs. And they're like, well, look at this guy made all this money. So or Zuckerberg, whatever, that's <laughs> like 0.0001%. Um, the majority go through, and even those guys, they went through an uphill battle. Just, it's brutal. It's really brutal. But if you're really passionate about the, and I think you nailed it, the problem that you're solving, and you're really passionate about the market that that solution is serving, you're going to have a blast doing it the same way you do when you're playing a sport and you're just competing because you just love to compete. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about this. It's the the parallels between sport, athletics, and entrepreneurship are really, really great. You know, sports are very structured, as you know, but they also lend themselves to a great deal of creativity, right? As a lacrosse player, I'm sure you were able to be very creative to ultimately create the outcome that you wanted, which I presumably is to score a goal, right? It's the same as entrepreneurship, right? You can you can go in a straight line up or you can run yeah. in circles, but you can still get to the same goal and, and the outcomes, the, the benefits of it are unlimited because you control your destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I would, I would tie it, the correlation more to winning mm-hmm. uh, the game than scoring the goal, because okay. uh, I think scoring the goal is a lot like just being the, the, the a player yeah. on the team and, and winning the game is to your point. Sometimes you're the A player when you win the game. Sometimes you got to take a B role and let somebody else step up to be the A player because it's their domain or it's, or you're trying to mold them into a better player or it's a game in the beginning of the season and you got a freshman on your team and you know he's going to be an important part of playoffs and you need him to get those goals along the way to build up his confidence. Similar thing happens, I think, in business um, when you're trying to groom somebody or develop somebody into more of a leadership role, which should be your job with everybody on your team, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And I agree with that, right? But you also have the same dynamics in a company that you do on a team, which is not everyone's going to be pulling in the same direction all the time. How do you get them to pull in that direction? How do you motivate them? Maybe how do you choose not to keep somebody around on your team or in your business if they're not serving the mission that you're aiming for? Can you talk about about that? 
Yeah, I think um, I can give a, a personal story about it. So I, I, when I was first getting recruited, um, I was a junior in high school. I just won All-American. And there was, uh, I was at the public school, Jupiter High, and we had just won uh, our first playoff game my sophomore year. Um, I wasn't allowed to play sports my sophomore year. I was I was recruited, so they FHSAA wouldn't let me play any sports my sophomore year. Highly debated. Um, but my junior year, so they won the first playoff game that year. My junior year, um, we and St. Andrews was the private school. They were the ones that won state championship for last uh, however many years, and they had an All American on their team. His name was Connor Whipple. Um, long story short, we both got recruited to Georgetown in high school growing up. I hated this guy. I wanted to kill him. I mean, you know, when you have a rival across town, they're the private school, you're the public school, you make up all sorts of stuff in your head, like these preppy, mm-hmm. you know, these preppy <laughs> kids. Like, and so I'm thinking like, we're the tough school. They're the like preppy school. Meanwhile, we're, it's Jupiter high school. So at Jupiter is probably a pretty preppy high school, um, public school, so. <laughs> Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but we ended up both getting recruited to Georgetown. And um, when we met uh, in the recruiting process, we were, I was like, wow, this guy, I get along with him so well. And then we ended up, um, he left Georgetown, I decommitted and went to St. John's and ended up leaving. And we both ended up at University of Tampa where his dad was coaching. And uh, this is now my sophomore year. Um, we actually lived together in a house with six division one transfers coming to this D two like powerhouse. And we thought we were going to win a national championship. Like there's no question we've got, we had 11 guys that year transfer from division one programs to play at this D two school that had been a top five school, but never broken into the, to the championship. Mm -hmm. And so we get there and, and we're all, we're all aligned. We all want to win, right? The championship, NCAA championship, even it's division two, but still it's, it's awesome. Um, and it's a great goal. And we were all living in the same house. Um, but at this time, like the business really started to grow. And so I started to feel this divergence between my whole house, my whole team, they're all fighting for this national championship. I'm really fighting to grow this business. And now when I come out to practice, I want to go hard and I want to compete because I love it, but I'm more there to have fun and compete. And like, it's a break from building the business and school versus let's win a national championship. And I think that lack of alignment became really clear. Um, And that was the point where I had to decide, am I going to, am I going to drop out? Cause if I'm not playing on the team and and then I'm definitely not going to go to school. Um, and the reason for that was because I, I had I didn't want to pay for school. Um, I had a scholarship and I, I had gotten all that I needed out of college. I don't think this is the path for everybody. Some people say, like, you don't need school. I don't believe that. I think it just depends on who you are and, and what you need. I think college is amazing. I think you get a lot out of it. I had gotten everything I needed. I found what I was passionate about. I knew what I wanted to pursue and I was all in on it. So at that point, it was a decision. Of, I could finish. I could get a degree. I don't really need it for what I'm going to be in, be doing. And so I had to sit down with with my longtime friend at this point. And his dad's the coach. Sorry about the dogs. Um, his dad's the coach. And I had to sit down with him. And I had to say, like, I'm sorry, but I don't think I'm the right guy for this team. And 
um, it was really, it was a really hard decision for me. Um, I could see it on his face. Like he was super disappointed. Um, but at the end of the day, I wasn't aligned with his vision of where he wanted to take the program, the team. And, um, they ended up winning a national championship a couple years later. So it all ended well for everybody. We're super involved with the university now through the business. Um, but yeah, that alignment of vision is when you're on a team and in an organization, it is, it's everything. And if, if you lose that alignment at some point, it's not a bad thing. It's just not your time to be on that team anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I think for a 21 year old kid at that point, it's a pretty mature choice, right? Like, and maybe you didn't see it exactly that way when you were that age, but right. Like the idea that like, Hey, this is not for me. It's going to be, I'm going to do what's best for me. And I'm going to go stand up and be a man and say like, this isn't for me. And what I, what you guys want isn't the same as what I want. And I don't want to get in the way. And Oh, by the way, I want to go pursue this dream. And you decide, Hey, I don't want to go to school, which I can't imagine that that was that easy of a decision in the sense that I think people always have these expectations that you're supposed to graduate from college. And I don't know if that crossed your mind, but like, can you just talk a little bit more about like, was it an easy decision? Was it hard? I mean, oh, um, so yeah, I can say it was probably one of the harder decisions um, that I ever made. And it's because my, my dad was really, really big on you don't quit. Whatever you're doing, if you make a commitment to a team, it doesn't matter if you signed up to do cheerleading as a joke or gymnast, whatever it is, you're going to do it. And you're going to go all the way through the season because you committed to your teammates and to your coaches. And that was really, it was weighing super, super heavy on me. And so I had basically made the commitment to uh, all my employees and the company. And then I had also made the commitment to, to the school that I would be a full-time student and then also to the team. And I just was just spread too thin and I had to make a decision and it was very, very, very difficult. Um, so, and I never really got to have my breakout college lacrosse year. I, when I was a freshman at St. John's, I, um, I got some burn, but it wasn't a significant amount. And I, I was on a pretty good path and probably could have had a, a pretty substantial role on that team. But, um, when I got to university of Tampa, I was like, great D2, I'm going to dominate. This is going to be awesome. And, um, I never really got to have that, that season. So it was, it was pretty hard. I think I still have three years of eligibility left. Um, so maybe who knows 35 year old, uh, no, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, that alignment to the vision I think is, is really important. And, and when you make these big fork in the road decisions, you got to really lean on your values and lean on what is, what's your North star? What's, what are you really out here to do? And I was not there to win a national championship. That wasn't my North star. That was another end goal for me. Um, or means goal, it wasn't the end goal. And so I think having that eye on the end goal really helped make the decision. Sure. So when you made the choice, where was where was your business at at that point? I think at that point, we just crossed a million a year in revenue. We had three or four employees and it was, um, I kept walking in with my backpack two, three in the afternoon. And I was like, ah, this isn't, this isn't going to cut it. Yeah. And so at that point, did you have like, specific goals for the business or was just, Hey, I want to put all my time and energy into it and, and grow it. So at that time, um, I think I was probably still figuring it out, but I, I had a good sense of 
um, business was going to be my path and, and my North Star is making a positive impact on the world through business. So I don't know that I had that crystallized at that point, um, but that became very clear through my journey. And I think that's why I was so drawn to that that path in the fork in the road as opposed to finishing school, finishing my college lacrosse mm-hmm. career, and then um, starting at that point. Great. And so I guess so to get to the, at that, that point, that's the lacrosse ball business. Yeah. So at that time we, we were just, all the balls were the same. We made a premium lacrosse ball. That was it. Um, and then as that really started to grow and as I, I left college, one of the things that I was really, I think, uh, too focused on was I had gone from a full student athlete schedule and building the business. So I was putting in easily easily 16 to 18 hour days. And I did not want to lose that effort. So I took that same drive and put it into the business. So I was putting in easy 16, 18 hour days every day, seven days a week. Um, I had just met the woman who I ended up marrying, um, Maddie, my wife, amazing woman. I way out kicked my coverage. She was super patient with me in the early days. And she even she even reflects back and talks about this this time in our story where um, I was I, I had broken it off with her and she was I mean way out of my league amazingly beautiful super smart everything a guy could ever want everything I could ever want but I didn't think it was fair to her um, because I didn't think I could give her what she needed because I was so committed to the business and I wanted to spend eighteen hours a day on the business I didn't I didn't want to allocate the hour or two to our relationship. And even if I did, that wasn't enough for what she really deserved. So um, that was a pretty interesting, another fork in the road where I had to really decide, like having a positive impact on the world through business is my end goal. Am I better served having a wife and, and having a partner in this mission or on my own? And I, at that point, I'd been super independent. That had been my path. I'd always been that way. Um, and I was just super, for- my brother was the one, actually, I called him and I spent like three days sleeping at the office. And I was like, this is, I'm just going to sleep at the office every day. I don't even have to chat. Like, I'll just keep working. And um, he was like, dude, you're going to, you're going to burn out by the time you're 30. And how much of an impact are you going to have then? And yeah, Maddie gives you this amazing perspective. She makes you a better person. She, she helps you take your game from where you're at to where you're trying to go you'd be silly, a fool to not invest in that relationship. And um, you deserve to be happy too. That was the other thing. I was not considering my happiness. I wouldn't consider, it was just, I want to build businesses. This is what I want to do. Well, I think that I, I love that. I love that story because I relate to it quite a bit because I'm I'm in a much earlier phase of developing my own business and I'm divorced with children and I'm single. And I think sometimes, you know, there's a benefit to being single because you could do whatever you want. But then you realize that like running a business takes so much energy and effort. And there's so many ups and downs that if you try to do doing it on my own is really, really hard sometimes because you don't have somebody that's propping you up saying, hey, it's okay, keep going, or I got your back. And to have that is is pretty cool, right? Like it sounds like you've got somebody in your life who like unconditionally supports your, 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 your goals and your, your, your desire to build businesses. And that's like, 
that's a big thing. That's a that's a really important life lesson. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and I'm super fortunate to have it. And I should mention, she is also equally a badass and has built a million dollar business over the last three years. I love it. She she and she had no idea that that would be her path, but she was a communications and um, she was a communications. She was double major. And then had like three minors. She's brilliant, but um, she didn't take a single business course. And now she runs a company. They have, I think, 50 part-time employees, coaches all around the country. Um, and she'll do about a million dollars in revenue this year. So it's, um, I think our past intersected at that point, And it, it was a really defining moment for our relationship. And um, she decided that that she wanted to have her own lane and running it really hard and, and build to make the impact she wanted to make. And I think mm-hmm. that allowed us to grow together, which is, I think, one of the most important things that, um, and it, it applies to the team that you're on. It applies to the relationship you're in. It reply, it applies to a business. Um, you you got to be growing with your team and you got to be bringing them along. If you're not, you'll start to grow in different ways. And then that's where you have that fragmented well, my vision doesn't really align with this vision anymore. And that's okay. Sometimes people naturally grow apart. But if you're pursuing a clear mission and you're both really aligned on it, the, the power is just incredible. I can only imagine. And, and, and what you just described about diverging is exactly the way my divorce went. It was like, I'm on this trajectory towards building this business that I really, really believe in. And I wanted that support. But it just wasn't there. And like you said, it happens sometimes and you had to make choices and and I did and, and that was okay. There's no regrets there. But you're right. Like if you have that person who's sort of on that path with you, now all of a sudden it's like the power of one is not as nearly as great as the power of two or more. And now you've got it, you know, you got a team rather than just an individual. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it you find that in a in a life partner, um, you find that in a business partner, you find that in your teammates, you find that a lot of there's a lot of different relationships that can be that for you um but it's it's putting yourself in a position where you're around a group of people that are trying to get to the same goal and are working towards it you're just going to get so much more out of the experience So, so um, I grew up in South Florida, like I was saying. So I played a lot of golf growing up, and um, all the there was different tiers of golf balls. I noticed I'm in the pro shop one day, and then I'm out at the fields a little later that day, getting ready for practice, and a ball ricochets off the post. It hits me in the back while I'm leading the stretching for our team, and um, I picked it up, and I was like, man, these lacrosse balls, like similar to a tennis ball, they go bad after like a week or two. We call them drill killers or greasers. And so um, I set out to make the, the first premium ball that would last twice as long as all the other balls. And um, it, it started with, I'm going to do this on my own, very independent, um, and then led to, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need to find somebody that knows what they're doing, partner up, and then, and then figure out this solution. So fortunately, I, I had LinkedIn had just become a thing. I found a guy who, who used to be a rubber chemist at Shell Oil. He was retired. Um, I reached out. He wanted to help me. Um, and so for, I think it was at back seven years ago, it was like 500 bucks, thousand bucks. 
and he helped me come up with this. Um, and it was really the relationship. I think, I don't know the value of, of the formula. I mean, now we've sold over 20 million balls, so it's, it's proved to be super valuable. And, um, we did go back and take good care of that guy, but, um, yeah, yeah. The idea just, I was, I think the one thing that I think about a lot, um, too, is, uh, you're gonna, your business is going to be as successful as the problem that you're the size of the problem that you're solving. So that became super evident to me. Um, when we got to a couple million in sales and we realized like, there's not much more room to grow. And so that's what, um, got us into making complete sticks that all come game ready right off the shelf and then quick connect goal instead of stringing the net to the goal frame you screw it in takes five minutes instead of two hours and so just like a series of uh products in the lacrosse space that could solve problems for players for coaches for parents um and through that process we we realized how cash intense um a business like that is you, you're shelling out money for R and D every time you're developing a new product, then you're sampling, then you're purchasing the actual inventory. Um, the inventory takes sometimes 90 to 120 days to come over here. Then you got to sell it. Um, a lot of times if you're selling to retailers, they're going to want terms, payment terms. So they're not going to pay you when you ship them the product, they're going to pay you 90 days later. So now you put up the money, 120 days before the product got there, then the product gets there, you sell it. Hopefully you sell it right away, but sometimes it takes time. And then once you sell it, you're not going to get paid from that person for 90 days. So you're out the money for at least 180 days, sometimes longer. So a half of a year or longer. So um, that business grew to a good size, but it was, it was starting to really suck up all the cash. And um, that's where we came up with, um, this 24 seven, 365 on demand team swag store experience. And, um, that has just taken off over the last three years. And, um, that has become really the core business. So, um, we, we deem it the, the fanatics of youth sports. Um, so we set up these, these 24 seven shops for youth programs, travel programs in all sports all around the country. Everything's made on demand. It drop ships right to the parent store. Um, and it solves a really clear problem for program directors. Um, they were spending 50 to 100 hours on admin work, collecting all the order information for my little son Johnny's a size large short, medium shirt, uh, small penny, and he wants number 84. Um, and so the program directors used to collect all that, pass it to a rep. The rep would pass it to a factory, factory passes it back, and then director gets the big box bags it all up, hands it out at the fields. We've all been through it. If we've ever coached or been a program director. Um, <laughs> 100% more than I care to admit. Yeah, it is a brutal process and it's not what the program directors sign up to do. And I think that was the part that really resonated with me the most was um, these are a lot of times volunteers, a lot of times they're dads, a lot of times or moms, a lot of times, so parents, I should say. Um, a lot of times they're going through their own personal stuff. Maybe they're starting a business. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe yeah, right. struggling in school. Like who knows? Right. They want to give to the community. They sign up to be the director of this this program because their kids in the sport. They really love the sport. Blah blah blah. And then nobody tells them. Nobody tells them about this administrative where you got to run the website. 
You got to do all the marketing. You got to go raise sponsorships. You got to uh, make sure the fields are locked every night, even if you're not there. All the, the goals are locked up, everything. And then on top of this, every season, uh, you're going to have to collect all the order for information from all the parents, collect their money, go hand it to this to this guy on a spreadsheet and work back and forth with him to make sure the spreadsheet's right. He's going to send you a big box of stuff. There's going to be 10% of your orders going to be wrong. You're going to have to bag it up and then go hand it to the parents. When the parent gets handed the bag of, of whatever they ordered for their uniform um, and it's wrong, who do they yell at? <laughs> right. The program director. So <laughs> just stands to gain nothing in the process and just takes on this workload unnecessarily. And so we developed this model to solve that problem for those program directors. And it's been transformational. I think um, the programs we're working with on average, um, if they have 200 kids in the program, they'll drop an extra $25,000 in profit to the bottom of their P&L. And that gives them money to scholarship the kids who actually need it, you know? Um, and so we're seeing that the programs we're working with are consistently growing at a faster clip than they were prior to working with us. It's a number of reasons, but um, really like that was our intent. We wanted to solve this problem, empower program directors to focus on the quality of the coaching and getting more kids into sports. That's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to sort of your motto or your example of, you know, the bigger the problem, the more opportunity there is. And I think what you've described is a, a problem that's really about making people's lives easier right? As opposed to a product, which solves a problem, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not as valuable as giving people time back and giving them efficiency to run a, a, an operation. So is, the, is, the, is the, the business only for lacrosse or is it other sports? So we started in lacrosse. That's our roots. Um, Signature lacrosse, the equipment brand will always exist in the lacrosse space. And then Signature Athletics, the parent brand, has now branched into um, basketball, football, uh, cheerleading, soccer, um, baseball, softball, archery, a number of different sports. Anywhere where there's a, a program director where we can clearly solve this problem for them, we want to help. That's awesome. So you talked a lot about the nuance of business, which I'm not going to get into because I don't think that the people on this show want to listen to it, even if I want to indulge myself. But, but you did, I think I want to, I do want to touch on the idea that, you know, when you're running a business, I don't think people really understand the idea and the importance of cash flow. right? You can be making money, but you don't actually have the money in your hands. And that's what you describe, right? I'm getting, I'm getting these uh, invoices fulfilled or purchasing agreements fulfilled, but I have, I'm not getting the money for three months, four months, five months. I mean, meaning that I have to put the money up to front, you know, the, the business's growth while I'm still waiting for that money. Like, was that your biggest challenge or was there something else that you experienced that was like one of the, the biggest challenges you ever had running a business? Like, can you talk about maybe yeah. name one thing? I, I would say um, it, it's it, for me, at least it was it was finding the business model that was that was going to really work. Um, I think being the best lacrosse equipment brand is a, is a goal that some people have. And we've done a really good job in the space and we've, we've made some products that really solve clear problems. And um, we are the number one ball. We always will be. That's, that's definitely something that I'm very proud of and that I, um, I hold on to tightly. Um, 
but finding the business model that was really going to enable me to have the impact that I really wanted to have and realizing along the way that, that it wasn't going to be just signature lacrosse. It was going to take, um, it was going to take more than that to really have the impact. So now we have, we have three wholly owned subsidiaries and then we have the parent company. I haven't mentioned the other subsidiaries. I could do that another time, but, um, it's grown from, from that original and the concept stayed the exact same. What is uh, a problem that our clients are having that we could solve? And if we just stay true to that, those are timeless businesses. They will, they will always exist. Um, I think when you're trying to follow the next fad, um, that's where you get into a little bit of trouble. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I think when you chase fads, you're chasing dollars and, and that, that changes the, the motivation equation, I think to a certain extent. Right. So uh, just a couple more questions. Um, and I was just asking you sort of about some of those challenges maybe, or what you've found to be challenging. I mean, is there like one thing about running a business that really like stands out as like, gets you excited every morning when you wake up out of bed? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I always say, actually, if you're not waking up and you're jacked up, go do something else. Um, and it's just, it's, it, it's so true when you're an athlete, when you're an athlete, I mean, at least for me, I remember I woke up and went to school for PE class and practice after school. That was it. That was the only reason I was getting up and going, you know, and, um, every day I looked forward to practice. And if it was raining, I was pissed. I was like, please stop the rain. Stop. I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes. Stop the rain. Stop the rain. Um, and then even if, can we still go to practice or can we go to the fields and just throw whatever it is? Um, but I think that, uh, I'm sorry, what was the original question? I got totally lost in my- like, what gets you, like, oh, what, what, gets what makes you get you yeah. excited? Yeah. So it's the impact. I think number one is, is, uh, having a positive impact on the world through business. And that happens in a number of different ways. Um, I think the most, uh, direct feedback loop is your people, your team and seeing, their growth over time and seeing them take on challenges that maybe um, they would have taken on on their own, but maybe as a team, we're able to support each other, taking them on a little bit faster. And those are personal growth. It's professional growth, um, but really it's one in the same. A lot of those principles that you learn in business that you learn personally, you can apply across your whole life. Being a good person is being a good person. Um, so I'd say that that really gets me going. And then the impact on the market um, and that's a little bit of that delayed, like gratification. You see it more over time. And there is a lot of, um, asking for feedback is super important. I'm a big believer asking for feedback is one of the most valuable skills you can ever develop. And, and you learn it through that process of being an athlete where you're, you're trying to get better. You're trying to get to the next level. You need a coach to give you that feedback. Um, in the same way, if you're trying to build a great business, you need your customers to give you that feedback. If you don't get it, how do you know that you're solving their problem? How do you know that you're solving it to the full extent that they need it solved? They're solving it the way they want it solved. There's so many nuances to it. That's great. Great answer. Final question. It's just a question I asked everybody at the end of every podcast. Um, for you, I'll frame it this way. You know, as, as a former athlete and now an entrepreneur, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to a young athlete, um, whether it's related to their athletic career or whether it's related to uh, a life in business? I would say 
One of the bigger pieces um, that stands out to me right now, I think it's because we're we're in the lacrosse season, um, is if you know your coach is a good person and there's someone you want to be more like when you're older, really take a step back, take yourself out of the situation you're in and really hear them and really listen to them and be inquisitive with them. The, the, the passion that a coach has who's there for the right reasons, they're there to pour into you. They want to give you their life experience and help you get ahead of problems that they went through that they maybe didn't have the advice when, when they went through that challenge. And now they want to give you that so you get an edge. And if you can take yourself out of the situation where, you know, you're in high school, you have like, you know, you're chasing girls, you have all this other stuff going on, you're in a game, you're really intense, like you think it's life or death if you win or lose this game. I promise you it's not. Um, I've been there. It's not that big of a deal. Um, just take that extra second to really listen when you get one-on-one time with your coach and the value you'll be able to get out of it. Um, and even if you don't, you don't maybe like the coach, but you know, he's a good person or she's a good person. Um, a lot of times those are the coaches that five, 10 years down the road, you look back and you, you find their phone number and you call them to thank them because you can now appreciate some of the lessons that they were trying to give you along the way. So that'd probably be my biggest advice. Slow it down really take the time to like soak in what these mentors are trying to give you mentors being the coaches. It's a great answer. And it's a great way to finish. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was great to see you again. Yeah. Uh, I only, I wish you the best of luck in everything that you're doing and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So what's your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Dan Sobiero? My biggest takeaway is that there are opportunities to find purpose beyond sports. Retirement could be a great source of stress and negative emotions. However, finding a clear purpose beyond sports can help athletes move forward in a purposeful and productive way. My suggestion to young athletes is to think about what makes you happy outside of sports and invest some time in those activities now. Having something to enjoy outside of sport will make your life easier and plant the seeds for a life of purpose down the road. I want to thank Dan for his kind generosity and the wisdom he shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can learn more about Dan and his businesses by visiting his websites at SignatureLocker.com, SignatureLacrosse.com, and 10xlax.com. To learn how you could be ready for the next step in the game of life, visit MichaelVHuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 60. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.